grateful for how he sustains and supplies. He conquers my fear with his presence each time. I woke up this morning with praise on my mind. He steadies my heart with the bravest of songs. Somehow in my weakest, His grace makes me strong. How firm the foundation that I'm standing on. He steadies my heart with the bravest of songs. How marvelous, oh how marvelous, how wonderful my song shall child and he never lets go his love goes beyond anything that I
marvelous, He is wonderful, He is great. Amen. We continue in worship this morning with this old hymn. Let's sing. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. You sing, then sings. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. Lift him up. How great, how great Thou art. How great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. We tell Him He is great. How great You are, how great You are. When I think and when I sent him to die I scarce can take it in that on the cross yes my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin do you believe it?
good morning, church family. We are so excited uh, this morning. We are baptizing eight this morning, uh, eight that have decided to follow Jesus in believers' baptism, and we're starting off with a brother and a sister. This is Hayden Hawthorne. This is Haley Hawthorne. Because of your public professions of faith, it is our joy to baptize you, a brother and sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is Thomas Johnson. This is Parker Toombs. Because of your public professions of faith, it is our joy to baptize you, our brother and sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Church family, these next two, it's a pretty awesome testimony. We have a grandson and a grandfather getting baptized together this morning. This is Porter Key. This is Joe Key. Because of your public professions of faith, it is our joy to baptize you, our brothers, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to end this morning with sisters. This is Brooke Rogers. This is Jamie Rogers. Because of your public professions of faith, it is our joy to baptize you, our sisters, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen, amen. Let's give God praise together. We serve a wonderful God. Amen. Well, good morning. So great to see you all here. Welcome to service at Prestonwood. My name is Scott Turner, and I serve on the minister team here. We're so happy to have you. Those that have joined us here in person, grateful to see you. And those that are worshiping with us online, welcome to service at Prestonwood on this, the Lord's Day. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Well, when you came in, you should have received the worship guide. But if not, we would love for you to text the word CONNECT connect to 74788 to see what's going on in the life of our church and also so we can connect with you to serve you, pray for you, and understand where you are. We won't bother you. We just want to know you're here and how we may love you in the name of Christ. For those of us that are members here at Presswood, let me along with our pastor and our church family thank you for your faithfulness and your giving. Thank you for your faithfulness and your tithes and your offerings to the mission and the work of Presswood and how God has blessed us and stewarding the finances that he gives us. So please give God praise right now for his faithfulness in the mission and the work of Prestonwood. We really appreciate you. Well, a couple of housekeeping things. Freedom Weekend is coming for our junior high and high school students. Students, bring somebody with you. Don't keep Jesus to yourself. Tell somebody about your faith in him. Parents and adults, let's pray for Freedom Weekend. It's a high-impact worship, prayer, word weekend for kids to come and hear the word of Christ, to worship together, to be transparent, to be held accountable, to know Jesus in another way. Say, can we commit to praying for Freedom Weekend together? If you're with me, say amen. amen. Freedom is coming. And also, we'll begin our midweek Bible studies and discipleship classes this coming week on the 18th. 
If you have not joined a, a discipleship class or a Bible study class, this week our midweek classes are kicking off, and we'd love to see you. Bring a neighbor, bring a friend, bring a family member as we dig into the Word of God so that we may all grow continuously in our relationship with Him. Pastor has a great word from God's Word today. I pray that your hearts are prepared, that your ears are attentive. If we're going to be here, let's be here. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus, you are so wonderful. And how great, Lord God, you are. And we make that declaration today. You are a great God. You are a good, good Father. And we love you. Father, we humble ourselves before you right now. We pray, God, that you would have your way. Be with Pastor, Father God, anoint his lips. Father, give him the word. Father God, the courage, the strength, the grace, the mercy to preach the word that you've laid on him. Father God, that we may receive it. Father God, straight from your voice. We love you. We honor you. Thank you, Father, for the worship that goes forth, Father. We surrender it to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows the work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine? So great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me His own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the
that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. How many of you believe it? Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken. Yes, Jesus is our living hope, and the Bible says that we are born again unto this living hope. We are alive in Christ, and the body of evidence supports not only the death but the burial and the resurrection of Christ, and we are so thankful that we live in the presence and in the power of Jesus Christ. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John, and we'll begin with the fifth chapter. There's a tombstone. Uh, in England somewhere that is inscribed with these words, pause stranger as you pass by, as you now are, once was I. As I now am, so you will be prepared to die and follow me. Someone read that and inscribed on another little sign beneath the tombstone, to follow you I am not content until I know which way you went. Do you know where you are going? So many people don't, in life or in death. But God made you on purpose for a purpose, and God has a wonderful plan for your life. And unfortunately, so many people aren't sure about their salvation. I'm speaking of people who are members of churches, some who are attending church, some in this room or watching online right now, you are not absolutely certain of your salvation. But God has given us the Word, the clear Word of Scripture in order that we may know that we have eternal life. 
and live with this purpose and with this peace that we know that we're saved and that we're on our way to heaven. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? I mean, are you totally and completely certain? We need to think more about our mortality because one day you will be in eternity and so will I. And as we come to this table of the Lord today, as we receive the Lord's Supper, it's so very vital and essential that you know with divine certitude, with divine certainty, with blessed assurance to say Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, that you are building your life on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ. So once again, I ask you, do you know where you're going? Are you sure that you are saved? Knowing that your sins are forgiven, all of them. Do you know that Christ lives in you by the power of his resurrection? And do you know that you're going to spend eternity with him. There are so many who can't answer positively to that question. Some are not confident. Some cannot say yes for sure because there may be some sin, some besetting sin, some sinful habit in their lives creating shame and guilt. And so they wonder, am I truly saved? Others have never been taught assurance of salvation and security in Christ. And unfortunately, many are mistaught regarding this subject. Others experience doubt when they go through a crisis. A crisis, a difficulty in our life can give rise to fears and to doubts, even to doubt God and even to doubt our salvation. Many uh, who are saved as children have never developed, grown in their faith so that as adults or as teenagers, you're certain that What you did as a child was real and that is forever. And if you live doubting, doubting your salvation, wondering about this, then certainly you're going to struggle in your prayer life. You're going to have difficulty sharing your faith with others because how can you share a faith you're not sure of yourself? We want to live in the vitality and in the vigor and the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Not wondering, not failing, not flailing in life. I'm calling this message a no-so salvation. A no-so salvation, not maybe so, or think so, or feel so, or kinda so, but no-so. And to say, I know that I'm saved and I know that I'm going to heaven, that's not arrogance. Maybe. Someone could accuse us of arrogance, and how can you possibly say, I know that I'm going to heaven. You're bragging now. No, we're not bragging on ourselves. We're bragging on Jesus, who gives us this eternal life. If there's anything good in you, if there's anything good in me, it is all by His grace and what Christ has done for us. So, today we're going to talk about knowing Salvation in Jesus Christ, living in this absolute certainty. It's very important as you come to the Lord's table today and break bread and drink of the cup. 
In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, let every person examine himself and then eat of this bread and drink of this cup. Before you eat the bread and drink the cup, you're to take an inward look and to know that Christ lives in you. He goes on in this same passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, to give a stern warning about taking of the supper unworthily or in an unworthily matter. And I view that as just going through the motions, just a ritual, just a thing you do when the church decides to do it. No, let every person have a time of personal examination today, and in particular, your relationship to God through Jesus Christ. Paul added on to this same theme of testing or examination in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Look at this verse. We're putting it on the screen. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test guarantees that Jesus Christ is in you unless you fail to meet the test. So there's a test. There's a test at the table today. I don't know about you, but I never really enjoyed those pop quizzes in class. It really exposed where you were on the knowledge of the information you were supposed to be studying. And so those pop quizzes, those tests. So uh, this is a test today. For some of you, it's, it's a pop quiz. You haven't thought about this in a while. It's an examination, and it is a personal and prayerful examination. And it begins with this question, am I saved? Do I know Christ? You say, well, can you know? 1 John 5.13 is our text for today to start. It says, I write these things to you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, K-N-O-W, know that you have, present tense, that you have eternal life. Now, this little letter of 1 John, you know, John the Apostle is the author, human author of uh, this book of 1 John, a letter, an epistle, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Also, the book of Revelation was given uh, to the Apostle John on the Isle of Patmos. He's also the author of the Gospel of John. So, this one whom Jesus loved very much and intimate among the disciples, Peter, James, and John. John uh, was one of the fishermen that Christ called, and he was known as the son of thunder, and Christ changed his life and channeled all of that thunder in his soul to being a powerful witness of the gospel and a writer of five New Testament books. And it is John who's saying that I write these things to you that you may know. Thirty-nine times either the word know or to know or to acknowledge is in the little book of 1 John. I often advise new Christians to read 1 John. If you are a relatively new believer, uh, read 1 John because 1 John will bring you the assurance that you need as you're just getting started. Or if you're doubting your salvation, if you're wondering whether you're on your way to heaven, read 1 John because as we're going to see in just a moment, there are the guarantees, the evidences of a genuine faith in 1 John. Near the end of his earthly life, the Apostle Paul said these words, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed and am convinced that he is able to guard that until, I, until that day what he has entrusted to me. 
I memorized it in the King James. I say it again. I'm not ashamed, for I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What day? The day we stand in the presence of God. The day we have final exams in the presence of God. And I am persuaded with, with Paul that I will be there because Christ will keep what I have given to him. John, well, Jesus himself echoes these words. John 5, 24. John 5, 24. This is a verse you should know. Mark, memorize in your Bible. It is veritably your spiritual birth certificate. Are you ready for it? We'll put it on the screen. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes on him who sent me has. What's the tense of that verb? Present tense. Has it right now. Eternal life does not begin when we die. It begins the moment we receive the life of Christ. Now, we are in process. It will be fulfilled in the presence of God when we go to heaven. But we have this eternal life right now. And he does not come into judgment, but has, again, press tense, passed from death into life. What security, what strength there is in this. And John the Apostle adds to this word in John 5 and verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has, notice the tense again, has been born of God. You're going to see in 1 John the words born or born of or begotten of God. Jesus spoke of the new birth. He said, you must be born again. So we are alive in Christ. He said, he, everyone who believes that Christ, that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever who has been born of him. Verse 11. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So what we have in 1 John are marks of the Christian. What marks us as believers? What are the evidences? What are the assurances that we have that we are in Christ? We've called these the birthmarks of the believer. When you are born again, these birthmarks identify you as a Christian. What is the evidence in my life, in your life, that we do know the Lord? I'm going to mention several today in the next 12 minutes, so listen, listen carefully. Number one, number one, a Christ-filled life. You have a Christ-filled life. This is the very beginning. To be a believer is to believe. To believe what? To believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. To believe that He died and rose again and gives eternal life to all who believes. The simple question is, what must I do to be saved? It was asked by a jailer in Philippi, and the answer came as clear as possible. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Believe is to commit your life to Christ and confess Him as your Lord and Savior. So this is where it begins. It begins with a birth. You are not saved because you grow up in church. You are not saved because your family is a Christian family and you have the legacy of a Christian home. You are not saved because you are baptized. You are not saved 
because you receive the Lord's Supper from time to time or every week or every day as far as that goes. You are saved when you personally and decisively believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Receiving Him as your Savior and following Him as your Lord. He who has the Son, Jesus, has life because Christ is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, said Christ. The Apostle Peter would later say there's no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. No other way to be saved apart from Jesus. He's not a way, He's the way. He's not one of the ways, He's the way to eternal life. So you pray and invite Christ into your life. John 10, or Romans 10 rather, says if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our hearts that God has raised Him from the dead, we will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So there is a beginning, a new beginning, a new birth. It is a simple faith. But in today's culture, in today's church, there are many who have never made this declaration, including preachers in pulpits. They don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Both preachers and church members across this country are living in doubts and fears and in error because the ultimate and the eternal confession of the Christian is about Jesus, the Savior. Christianity is not a code, it's not a cause, it's not a creed, it's not a church. It is Christ and Christ alone. 1 John 4, let me put these verses up. You're in 1 John, you just turn back and look at them yourselves. It, just speaking of those who deny Christ. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Who is a false prophet? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you've heard was coming and is now in the world already. So the spirit of the Antichrist is in the culture, it's in the world, it's also in the church today. So I don't assume anything regarding people who grow up in church or in churches. You never hear the gospel. You've never responded personally to faith in Christ. John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and whoever does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Could it be more clear? A Christ-filled life. So I ask you today, do you know that you're a Christian? If your answer to that question starts with, yes, because I, because I, I'm living a good life because I am a Baptist, because I am a Catholic, because I'm trying, because I'm a good family man, because I'm a good person. If your answer to the question, do you know you're saved? Yes, and it's the answer, yes, because I, 
you've missed the whole thing. Because salvation is not about me, you, or mine. If you're thinking, I'm the master of my fate, I'm the captain of my ship, this is all on me, it's about my character, it's about my goodness, my human goodness, no. Most people need to repent of their human goodness because the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags before a holy God. We don't always feel saved. When you're tired or when you're guilty or when you're discouraged, you may not feel the Spirit. You may not feel like you're going to heaven. God may seem far away at times. But God does not depend upon your feelings. I mean, you get up these days like some of us do, fighting raging uh, mountain cedar, you may not feel all that saved. But salvation does not depend on how we feel, but upon what Christ has done for us. It's what we remember again and again at the Lord's table, His blood, His body that he has finished the work that he came to do. And in addition to the Word of God, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life, is the Spirit of God. Romans 8.16 says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You say, what is the witness of the Spirit? I can't describe it to you, but there is a sense because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know that we're saved. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Assurance is not about what I have done. It is not about us. It is all because of Jesus and his cross and his resurrection. How wonderful just to trust in Jesus and rest in his promise to pardon us and the peace that he provides when we know him. So the first mark, believers, birthmark, is that of a Christ-filled life? Is Christ in your life? Is the Spirit of God bearing witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? But there's a second mark that I want to mention briefly here, and that is continuous joy. Continuous joy. Uh, you're in 1 John. Go back to 1 John chapter 1 and look at the fourth verse. John says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete continuous joy. He speaks of our fellowship with Christ, and John was saying, we walked with Him, we talked with Him, and we want you to know Him so that our joy in Christ will be complete. There is in this certainty a continuous, are you listening? In this certainty, there is a continuous, conspicuous, contagious joy in Jesus Christ. You said just a moment ago, Pastor, it wasn't about your feelings. I didn't say feeling joy. I don't always feel happy. I don't always feel joy. But deep within, there is joy in my heart because of Jesus that is not dependent upon my feelings, not dependent upon our circumstances, but it is joy that is given in Christ. I mean, just to begin with the fact, Jesus said, rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. Just start there and spend eternity filled with joy, thanking God for His salvation uh, in Christ. Psalm 16, verse 11, a verse that I love, 
It says, in your presence, O Lord, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So when Christ lives in you, there is this abiding joy. As a young person, as a teenager, it's great to hear all the teenagers. We heard you, and we're praying for freedom. Uh, When I was a teenager, uh, someone wrote in my Bible, joy is the flag that flies high in the heart when the king is in residence there. I'm told that in Buckingham Palace, when the queen or the king now is in residence, they fly the flag. When King Jesus is in residence in your life, when He is reigning in your life, then that joy flag is flying high. Secondly, not only a Christ-filled life and continuous joy, but thirdly, a changed life. First John, or changed behavior, First John 2.29. If you know that He is righteous, speaking of Christ, you may be sure, there's our word again, certainty, assurance, that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. In other words, we're not saved by good works, but we live in these good works for we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So what happens when Christ comes to live in us that our lives change? He changes the way we think. That's the very word repentance, is to change your mind or to change the way you think. So when Christ lives in us, our our belief produces a behavior that is transformed by the presence of Christ. And therefore, He changes the way we think. He changes the way we act. He changes the way we speak, the words that we use, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone be in Christ, He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything becomes new. And as we learn and live our faith, we grow in Christ's likeness. The Spirit of God will see to it. The Word of God will feed you and grow you into godliness and our habits and our attitudes and our actions are changed. We are no longer the same person. It's like the fellow said, I'm not what I ought to be, I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I was. Christ changes our lives. And this is evidence. Someone asked the question, if you were convicted or arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? What's the evidence that Christ lives in your life? And then next, there is compassionate love. 1 John 4, 7, this is another birthmark of the believer. Beloved, let us love one another, for to love is from God. And whoever loves has been, here's our phrase again, born of God. Whoever loves has the love of God in him and knows God. How do you know you're a Christian? Love love for God, and because you love God, you love the brothers. You see, when when I became a Christian, I wanted to be right with the Father, and I wanted to be right with my brother and sister in Christ. And so we have a family of faith, and we love one another. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And how can you say you love the groom, Jesus, if you don't love His bride? So a mark 
according to the scriptures, that you are saved is that you love the brothers and sisters in Christ. You have this continuous joy, this Christ-filled life. You have a changed life, and you have Christian love. Jesus said to his disciples, by this shall all people know that you are my disciple, that you, what? Love one another. In a sense, surrounding this table today, passing these elements, even though it's a, it's a large feast that we're having today, we are surrounded by family. The greatest joys of my life come when our family gathers around our table, our children and our grandchildren, Dev and myself, and, and we are our family. We're not perfect by any means, but we're family. We love one another. We pray for one another. And in the church, this is a family. This is not uh, a professional organization. This is the body of Christ. This is the family of God. The church is not something you join. It's something you're a part of. Your life is in it. Your love is in it. And don't tell me that you're saved, that you know Christ and you're going to heaven, but you spend hardly an hour every month or so with the family of God in church. We have people who never attend church, never even think about it. It's not even on your schedule in any way. How can you say, I know and love Jesus, and according to the Scripture, not love the brothers and sisters in Christ? I want to challenge you to faithfulness in the family of God. Be in a small group where you can get to know people. Be in a life group where you can study God's Word with other Christians. Be in a support group, a family group. Be in a choir, a worship group. Be in a mission or group. Be with other believers. Be in church on Sunday morning. We love the church because we are family. I know we got some crazy uncles in the crowd. I mean, wasn't it good to see brothers and sisters and grandfather and grandson baptized? I mean, that's beautiful. We all cheered because that's family. They're family. But look, listen, yes, it's true. It's wonderful to see a husband and wife, but there is a sense in which in Christ we are a family just like that. In fact, my brothers and sisters in Christ are closer to someone in my family who may not be a follower in Christ. Then there's conquering faith. I only mention this because we're going to move to the Lord's Supper, but 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So there is a conquering faith. In that, when we are Christians, when we decide to follow Jesus and determine that we will live differently in the world, we're going to find opposition. There will be resistance. There is the world. There is the flesh. There is the devil. But how can we live in this victory? Our victory is in faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is the victory. And then one final thing. Okay, guys, just I'm going to let you all get situated here. You jumped the gun just a little bit, man. <laughs> but I'm glad you're ready to go. We'll fix that in the second service. I want you to, sincerely, I want you to really heads up and listen to this. There is confident prayer. 
1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. You know how you can know you're saved? Continuing prayer, confident prayer. Because if you're not praying, everything else is just religious talk. If you're not communicating with God and asking God and receiving from Him what He has promised you, then you are missing this mark. So before we pass these elements, would you just bow your heads with me and close your eyes, everyone praying? And let's review. Are you saved? Scripture says, let everyone examine himself. Are you saved? You say, how can I know? Is Christ living in, in you? Do you have a Christ-filled life? Has there been a moment, a miracle in your life when you have received Christ as Savior? You say, well, I don't, I don't really know. I don't remember the time or day. You don't have to remember the day. Have you ever heard that? Somebody says, if you can't remember the time or the date or the place that you received Christ, then you're not saved. I don't believe that. It's not about what happened years ago. It's good to have a time. It's good to have a date. It's good to have a place. I do. But the real question is, are you saved today? This is all present tense. So don't, don't fret about whatever may have happened years ago. I'm asking you today, is Christ alive in you? Is Jesus in you watching online? And then do you have this continuous joy in Jesus? Because you have fellowship with him. You're walking with him. Jesus said, my joy, I give to you. And then a changed behavior. Has Christ changed your life? Are you just the same old you? Just a better invention of you? Or you're the master of your faith. You're doing it. No, Jesus changes your life. Has he changed your life? Are you a new person? Has he changed your heart? Do you have a conquering faith? Victory in Jesus? And are you confident that when you pray, as Christ promised, that He will hear you and answer your prayers according to His will? And do you have a compassionate love for the family of God, the people of God? And do you love the people that God loves and God loves the world? the mark of the Christian. So let every person examine themselves to see if they be in the faith. If you've never received Christ, do it right now. Before you touch these elements, just invite Christ into your life. Say, Lord, I do trust you as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you to help me to know now and forever that I belong to you because I believe in you and because of what you have done for me. Just call upon the name of the Lord. Settle it today. If you're not settled in this, settle it right now. You don't have to walk out of here wondering. You should not be a question mark. You should be a walking exclamation point. I am saved by the power of Christ, by the blood of Christ who washes away our sins. And if you're saying that, Trust Him as your Savior now. Confess Him as your Lord and follow Him 
as your Lord and Savior today. Lord, as we receive these elements, your body, the bread, your blood, the cup, may we do it as saved people, saved and secure in you. May we do it worthily, not because we are worthy, but because you are worthy. And because your blood and your body given for us has made us your children, we are born again into a living hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for worship at Prestonwood. As you heard earlier, if you made a decision for Christ, please text Jesus to 74788. We would love to connect with you and give you these great resources to help you grow in your faith. One is a New Believer's Bible with helpful notes to help you study God's Word. The other is a book by Pastor Jack Graham on the next steps to take as you pursue this new life in Christ. As we close, I'd like to thank you for your faithful giving to support Prestonwood and the work God is doing through our ministries. If you would like to give, text the word GIVE to 74788 or visit prestonwood.org give. It's been a joy worshiping with you, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.